Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care and Mama to a Super Kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. You know, I don't want to say something's great about, you know, oncology, but, you know, the one thing is for those families, there are so many resources and so many supports throughout treatment. So, you know, I feel very lucky that I can help connect just kind of like you said at the beginning, a friendly face Mm -hmm. in clinic and just being someone to, even if I can ease someone's nerves just a little bit, you know, I think that in itself is, you know, very rewarding. What does a social worker do? How can they help me now? What resources are available to my family and my child? These are all very common questions. I am delighted to have Molly Hansen, our hospital social worker on the podcast this week. She provides valuable insight into what a typical day looks like for her. We talk all about her role and how she assists families to get them connected to various organizations and nonprofits. And she gives us a handful of websites to help get your family and child the support they need during treatment and beyond. Welcome back to the All Mommy Care podcast. Tonight, I have our hospital social worker, Molly Hansen, with us. And we're going to be talking all about what a social worker does how they can help families, and different resources that they can connect your family with. So I'd like to give a warm welcome to Molly. Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm excited. Well, now I definitely hit record because the first time I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're all warmed up. So I'm going to give you um, a warm welcome, and I'm going to um, provide our listeners a little bit of background about you. And then we'll get all into social work and um, what you actually do day in and day out to help families like mine. So um, a little bit of background about Molly. She graduated with her master's in social work. She used to work for a nonprofit social service agency here in Central Mass. Uh, She worked there and um, primarily with children who were residing in out-of-home placements. And then in January 2020, she came over to UMass Memorial Medical Center and worked in the adult inpatient oncology. And then in the summer of 2020, she transferred to the out-of-patient pediatric social worker role at UMass. And she is, like I mentioned, she is our social worker when we go to clinic for monthly visits. 
And we are just so happy to have you as a part of our team. And I just want to thank you right off the bat for everything that you do day in and day out. So thank you so much, Molly. Of course, it's my pleasure. So can you tell us how did you get into social work? Sure. Um, So initially when I was young, um, I wanted to be a pediatrician, but I hate blood and needles and I'm not very good at science. Um, I don't like needles either. (laughs) Um, So I figured if I couldn't be calm around those things, I couldn't (laughs) um, help patients. Although I now working in a medical setting have actually learned to, to be calm to yeah. children and families, but it was definitely an adjustment. Um, but I obviously did not go on to become a pediatrician. I became interested in social work because I just really, I love working with children and families. When I went into college, I had mentioned social work to some friends and family and they almost kind of discouraged me saying social workers just take kids away from their families, or they don't make much money or um, just, you know, pretty inaccurate statements. So I, I kind of said, well, maybe I'll go into teaching and my undergrad degree is, is in history. Um, But I just, I I still wanted to do social work. Um, And I decided maybe around my junior end of junior year, but definitely senior year of college that I wanted to do social work because I felt very passionate about it. So right out of undergrad, I went into graduate school for social work and I really enjoyed working um, with children, um, both in a residential setting and foster care. And I did that for about seven years before coming to UMass. Wow. I'm so glad that you found your way into social work. And like I mentioned, you know, you're our social worker at the hospital and the resources that you've been able to connect my family with have been so wonderful and vice versa. Prior to you coming on board, we had another social worker. So um, I had reached out to some other organizations that you hadn't connected with yet. So I was able to help bridge that gap. And so it's just been a wonderful relationship all around. So it's been really helpful. Can you kind of give us like a picture about what a typical day kind of looks like for you? Sure. Um, So first, when I come in, I typically look at the um, hematology oncology clinic um, schedule um, and see which oncology patients are coming in and kind of maybe review their chart just to jog my memory of you know, what I, we may have talked about last time or resources that I said provide or kind of where we are. So I, I try not to, <laughs> to have any gaps. And, um, you know, sometimes when kids are first diagnosed, you know, the families are in very often, but you know, then when they're in, they're in maintenance, you know, it's usually about once every month. So I want to make sure I, I remember what I did last time. So I'm best serving the families. I also am available to the other clinics within the outpatient children's medical center. So uh, sometimes I'll review some of those other clinic schedules just to see if any other patients that I'm following are coming in. And then I make sure I I get actually get down to the (laughs) oncology clinic and, and see the, the patients and families there. And then in the afternoon, I'm either following up on consults I've received from doctors and other clinics and or I'm uh, upstairs 
on the pediatric floor visiting um, with some of the oncology patients who are admitted. You are all over that hospital. <laughs> For sure, definitely. So is it just you? I mean, I imagine there's a there's other social workers in the hospital as well, correct? Yes. So within the Department of Social Work, um, there is an inpatient pediatric social worker who is up on the on the fifth floor where all the pediatric patients are. Um, and we actually collaborate very closely. For example, if I have a really busy day out in clinic and there's something that needs to be done for an oncology patient on the floor, you know, we kind of chat and, you know, she helps me and in making sure there's no lapse in care on our part for that patient. And so just in social work in general too, there, there's social workers throughout the, the hospital um, inpatient floors. There is definitely a a lack of social work outpatient. There is a a diabetes uh, social worker who works in social work department, um, who is a colleague of mine. And then there's just, I guess, some other, I guess, random isn't a good word, but other social workers scattered throughout. For example, I sit in an office with the child protection social workers. So they, that clinic and that, or I should say that program has their own, but I'm available within the, the clinic to pediatrics ranging from, of course, oncology, primary care, just to name a few, you know, there's GI, neurology, nephrology, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my gosh. How, like, can you just kind of give us a ballpark of what is your caseload? Like how many families are you servicing at one time? So with the oncology families, it's a little different because I, I'm pretty much involved with every, every family. And I think right now we have third, I want to say 30 or 31 um, pediatric patients on active treatment, ranging anywhere from, you know, just diagnosed and in the induction phase to, you know, maintenance, almost off treatment. And then of course we have those patients who are off treatment, which is also, you know, kind of a whole nother ball game in its own where yes, they're off treatment, but there's so many things that come with, with off treatment and survivorship as well. So I remain available to families even off treatment. And then in the other clinics, um, it's really more consult based. Um, I have the doctors or NPs come to me and ask me to help families either connect to different resources. So a lot of times I have, you know, a couple um, interactions with the family and try to make referrals. But for oncology, it's more continuous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as you know, I don't want to say something's great about, you know, oncology, but you know, the one thing is for those families, there are so many resources and so many supports throughout treatment. So, you know, I feel very lucky that I can help connect with so many supports and myself being just kind of like you said, being a friendly face mm-hmm. in clinic I and mean, just being someone to, even if I can ease someone's nerves just a little bit, you know, I think that in itself is, you know, very rewarding. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, well, that kind of gives me a better sense because I think I've told you a couple of times, like, I just imagine, you know, you're just, you don't even have a minute to breathe. You just have so much to do it like every given day. But like you said, it, you know, the oncology patients, they're your main portfolio and then consult base. Yes. That kind of gives me a better sense. And I assume, you know, every hospital has a different setup too, right? We're in central mass. So like our hospitals considered a little bit smaller than in Boston or like a bigger city like that. If you are either inpatient, so like you're staying in the hospital and you're receiving treatment or care, um, definitely make sure that you touch base with your hospital social worker. If you are out receiving, you know, treatment at home, um, going just for follow-up visits, again, make sure that you contact your social worker. Um, ask, you know, your nurse practitioner, ask your uh, main doctor, the specialist or the doctor, and just start a conversation. Who is my social worker? I remember talking with a friend who's, um, family member was being cared for in Boston. And she told me we've had six different social workers in like one year. And so that that's very disruptive because your portfolio is all over the place with the resources that you've been hooked up with. And so that can be really frustrating. So again, like I know that, you know, as we already have like so much on our plate already with our chat, with our children's diagnosis and treatment and everything, but truly the social workers are there to help out and, and just connect you with more resources that will help your family, whether it be financial assistance or respite care. Um, there's just so many out there. So do not be shy to speak up and advocate. Like Molly just said, you know, she said in her heart, like her main role is to advocate. And so as parents, as caregivers, we need to muster up the strength and advocate for our children, but also for our own family and like our sanity um, and push that ego aside because there are times where, you know, you just have to say, yep, I, I need the help and I'm going to accept it. So um, the social workers are there to help you. They're not, you know, to put you under the radar or make you, you know, um, make you feel like a bad parent, like they're there to help. So thank you for explaining that, Molly. I think, like you said, there is a lot of misconceptions around what social workers do and just kind of like leveling the playing field really uh, is very important. Um, for families to know. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, so I kind of shared, you know, how we're connected with you. Um, and like I said, like we, my family's been really fortunate to have been connected with so many different organizations and it really does make a difference. Everything from, you know, financial assistance to we, I think I hooked you up with Gimme Lymphoma Society. And so, uh, little plug here, but Ollie's boy of the year for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So that's been a lot of fun, like being involved in those fundraising calls. Um, today, Ollie and I actually made like a whole bunch of uh, thank you cards and like decorated them. And like, we're going to send them to everybody that's fundraising on the team. And it's just a wonderful way to kind of give give back, even though I feel like I can't fundraise like at this moment, I know later on, um, we'll be able to be involved in that. So involvement doesn't have to stop once treatment is over, if you so wish. 
And I know Molly, you probably already talked about it a little bit. Like you talked about like how, you know, you want to just continue advocating for families, but what do you consider like your biggest accomplishment as a social worker? What do you hope to accomplish? Um, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> so you I can think, think about I, it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think big here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really, I just, I want to empower um, patients and their families. Um, I don't, I don't want them to just feel like a number or just you know, someone else walking through those doors into clinic. Um, you know, I always, I always tell parents, you are the expert on your child. Yes. The medical team are the experts when it comes, um, to treating cancer, but as a parent, you are the expert on your child. And that makes you just as important of a team member Mm -hmm. as, uh, anyone else. So helping parents and patients, you know, especially, um, that are a little older and really are at that stage where they can start to really understand what's going on and and advocate for their own needs. Um, I just, I don't, I, I hate to hear when families feel like they aren't being heard or, um, they don't understand what's going on, but they feel either, too embarrassed or like they're not important enough that they really can ask a lot of questions and speak up. Um, so I guess that's, yeah, empowerment, I think is, is huge. And I don't know, you know, if there's really a very tangible way to measure that, but, um, you know, when, when I see parents feeling, uh, really, as a respected member of the treatment team, as they are, um, that's, that's, that's huge for me. Yeah, that is so true. Like being thrown into the whole hematology oncology world, like I didn't know anything about it, you know, prior to my son's diagnosis, but having the, um, strength and also like being like, felt like you're a part of the team, it really does make a difference. And you, and I know I'm a control freak. So in order to have some sense of control in an environment where I don't really have a lot of control, it really does help me and like make me feel better that I'm advocating for my child. I'm feeling very empowered. I'm being heard, like you said, um, and in being respected as well. And that definitely makes things a little bit smoother when, you know, you're trying to either get difficult questions answered, or, you know, you have a couple of questions, like there's been a couple of times where I've had to ask our team a couple of questions. And, you know, again, I have to push my ego aside and be like, this is an important question, I need to ask this. And you guys, the whole team has been so wonderful. Um, so many times I've heard, you know, it's okay. We're going to continue to answer the same question over and over again. You can continue to ask us that. It's fine. And that has definitely helped a lot because as many times as, you know, I've heard our team say good hand washing and continue to use common sense. 
I know that, but I need to keep hearing it from you guys. So that's definitely been just such a wonderful asset. Um, So again, being a part of the team is really, really helpful. I have just a couple more questions. What do you wish families knew about social workers that they don't know about it? I know we kind of touched about on it before and you said that there might be like some misconceptions around it, but is there anything else that um, you wish families knew about social work that they might not know about? Sure. So there's no one way to react or even cope with Um, a new diagnosis. I've actually had parents say to me, like, I think I'm supposed to be acting different or, you know, this, this isn't how I ever thought I would act if I got news like this. And it's kind of like there, there is, there is no one, any way that you react is okay. It's okay. And uh, myself and other members of the treatment team will do our very best to support you where, where you are and really meeting you where you're at. Um, and I think once parents really start at least a a little bit to get over the initial shock, I like to do an assessment. Mm -hmm. So I guess one thing that I would like families to know is that social workers might seem really nosy. (laughs) Um, but really the best picture that we can get what's going on for you, your child, your family. Um, I never want to like press anyone into telling me something that I don't feel comfortable with because I'm also trying to build a relationship here. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, I have to find that balance, but I do like to ask a lot of questions, get a, a good sense of what's going on with the family. So I kind of know where to direct my efforts and kind of what to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, so If you're a family who is already really financially struggling and, you know, if you're out of work for a week, you know, we got to figure out how are we going to keep you paying your rent? Um, I think everyone, regardless, has some sort of financial struggle just because this, a pediatric oncology diagnosis, it just, it takes over your whole life, Um, but it might not be the very first thing I go to in some cases. Um, So if social workers seem nosy, like we're asking a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. um, it really is just so we can get to know you and your family. And um, I've had family say to me before, like, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that right now. I don't feel comfortable. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I I respect that um, just as much. Um, But I always like to give the opportunity to say, hey, throw what you can at me so I can best serve you and your family. And everything that you said is totally true. You know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking back to when my son was, you know, Ollie was diagnosed and it was a different social worker when he was diagnosed. And that level of trust that I developed with that social worker was almost immediate. And as soon as I saw her, I think she, she basically showed up on day two. And 
as soon as I saw her walking down the hallway, I could like let my shoulders down and kind of like relax a little bit and like, know, okay, she's got that covered, you know, because as the parent, you're so focused on your child and the treatment um, that they're receiving and signing the waivers and all this stuff and learning the new lingo. And to be able to, in my mind, know, okay, this person's handling this aspect to help our family. That was a great sense of relief for me. Yeah. And another thing that I think is, is really important that um, parents just need to vent. I've said before, I've had parents talking here or there and say, oh, I'm sorry. I say, you know what, you get out with me, you know, as long as, you know, we're in a safe space, I say, you know, I'm, I'm a safe person. You, you get out what you need to get out. And, you know, I think especially around a new diagnosis, but anytime in treatment and even after it's just, I think it seems just like, you know, go, 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 go. Um, But sometimes you just need to step back and like, let it all out. And I am always happy to be that person if you need to let it out to someone, you can let it out to me. Yeah, that happened to me too, where there were a couple of times and I was like, not with, I don't think it was with you, but with the social worker prior where I was like, I, I just need to cry. I just need to yeah. cry. And she was there and she was like, that's okay. That's totally fine. You know? Um, so you are just like a woman of many hats. You're a therapist, <laughs> you're a resource <laughs> manager, um, you're a counselor, you're an advocate, you empower families, and you're such a valuable team member. So thank you so much for doing all of that day in and day out. So we talked a little bit about how families can get involved in getting resources and becoming you know, connected to the social worker in their hospital. I wonder if if there's anybody listening, say that, you know, they're, I, I'm just trying to think like circumstantial, if they are very far away from their hospital, like they have mm-hmm. to drive, you know, three, four hours to the hospital, and then they're at home, the inpatient hospital social worker, are they connected with any outpatient um, clinics or other organizations? Like, I know we're connected with PDPAL, they're an outpatient but through a different organization, like how would that work? Right. Yeah. I think it's just um, really crucial for the social workers at the hospital to really know their resources. PD Pals is amazing, you know, providing their own social work, child life, nursing, and throughout Massachusetts, there is the pediatric palliative care network. So anyone in Massachusetts um, that has a child with a chronic illness, potentially life-threatening illness, qualifies for um, pediatric palliative care services. I'm not sure in other states. I would I would hope there's similar things, but but I don't yeah. know. But here in Massachusetts, I think we're we're really lucky to have that resource. I think also just looking into different nonprofits that work with. Um, childhood cancer patients and their families. Um, again, here in Massachusetts, uh, Central Massachusetts, and I know they um, service the families in Boston as well. But we have Wyme Sherry's House, which is just an invaluable resource. That's actually, I think, with pretty much every new diagnosis, that might be the very first resource I always offer. And I kind of explain them and say, "Hey, let me get you connected yeah. with Wyme." Yeah. Um, because they're just amazing. And then of course, 
We have in Massachusetts, our Department of Public Health Division for Children with Special Health Needs um, that can provide either just like as needed telephone support or ongoing care coordination. So I really, really encourage everyone to find the social worker at your hospital and ask them about resources that they can connect you with. Because, you know, although we can email and call, even when you're not at the, at the hospital, you know, there are some, there are other organizations out there that can, you know, provide support more in the home and community setting as well. Um, and the, the social worker at the hospital should have information for yeah. families. So I, I always encourage ask, 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 it can never hurt to ask. You're right. It, it definitely doesn't hurt to ask. And like, just to know that resources are out there, say if your family doesn't need it, you know, at a certain time, it always makes me feel better that I know, okay, we, you know, we can get connected with this organization if we need it. Because sometimes, especially at the beginning of a diagnosis and treatment, like you don't even know what your family needs. You, you don't even know what the next hour is going to look like. Being able to use, you know, the social worker as a resource to continue to branch out and help out with treatment or palliative care, which is, you know, like Molly had mentioned, um, music therapy, massage therapy at home, um, integrative art therapy, all these wonderful therapies that can help with during treatment and just kind of make things a little bit easier. We've been able to take advantage of music therapy and we also have been, we did art therapy a little bit. And those are just such wonderful resources to have because many times the kids are not able to, you know, especially during COVID, go to an art class or go to regular music class at the library. So being able to have all of these services come into the home really makes a huge difference. And then the last question is, what motivates you to do the work that you do? Uh, the, the, The kids and the families. I mean, it really sometimes it's, it's hard. And I I think, you know, how, how are these families getting through this? And I'm like, they don't, they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. They don't have a choice. So I know I'm not going to just wave a wand and make everything better. I do joke sometimes. I say, Oh, I forgot my magical wand today, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, don't we all wish we had a magical wand, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, if there's just one little thing that I can do, to help ease some anxiety and to listen and to really try to build this connection um, where patients and families feel like they can trust me and hopefully that they're, they're in good hands. And I love getting to know the families and also connecting families with different resources. I think another, another title under the social work umbrella that I think of myself as as kind of like a community relations manager or or someone. And um, Jackie, as you said before, too, um, you know, you were so helpful with that. And the social workers, we don't know everything out there. And if, you know, you can point us in a direction, um, we can certainly, you know, make those connections. Like, for example, you had connected me 
with Courtney from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I, I reached right out to her and yeah. we did a Zoom meet and greet and she sent me a bunch of materials and we stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole team um, over there is just great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and same with Jackie over at Lucy's Love Bus. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Um, I think it was for me personally, I came in, you know, right around only a couple months into to COVID and, you know, things were just absolutely crazy at the hospital. Right. Um, so I feel like I was kind of just <laughs> trying to stay afloat, getting yeah. to the new position. So I continue to this, to this day, almost a year in, and I'm sure for many years to come, I'll still be learning about new organizations and new resources with all the families is, is truly, you know, one of the best parts of my job. So. Oh man. Well, I so appreciate you and everything that you do. And I know that, you know, you probably have days where you just go home and you're absolutely emotionally, mentally exhausted. And I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you do and the multiple phone calls that you do and the follow-ups and um, just thanks so much for doing everything that you do day in, day out, because it really does make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you. It's nice to, it's nice to hear that. Cause you don't uh, always get thanked. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah. you don't always get thanked. <laughs> um, no, no. So it is, it is nice to hear that. And I know sometimes, you know, families are just so overwhelmed too. And, yeah. you know, even nothing, I think nothing that anyone does can really push me, turn me away. Um, I'm still gonna, I will still be here for your, for your family. And I know everyone deals with things differently and, you know, some families appreciate a lot more like hands-on involvement and some are kind of like, we'll let you know if we need you. So I try to work with each family individually and how, how I can be the best support to that family is, you know, it's so individualized, but that's how that's how I, that's how I want to do it. So it can definitely, um, definitely be a lot just with all the the social work responsibilities, but I, I, I love, I truly love all of it. So. Oh, well, it truly shows. And just to give people some resources or some websites to go to, can you recommend, I know we talked about obviously talking with your hospital social worker, but is there like a national social worker website like per state or does it just kind of depend on the state or like what's obviously the best bet is to talk to the hospital social worker, but if people, you know, are in the car or doing dishes or listening right now, do you have any other websites that might be helpful for people to figure out, like if they have a palliative care program in their area or their city that they can connect, get connected with? Off the top of my head, one of the things I can think of is the Hope Portal, which is a national online kind of resource directory. Okay. Um, I think if you put hope portal and then just like cancer into Google, um, it will, it will bring you to it. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's a great start. Thank you so much for all the info that you provided. Thank you for taking the time to come on and just share everything that you do. And I will make sure to link up the hope portal in the show notes. And I'll put a link on my website, allmamacare.com. And if anybody has any questions for Molly, Molly, is it okay if they 
contact you through me or what would be the best way if, if people or listeners have other questions about social work? Yeah, Jackie, if you don't mind, you know, pl- please, if anyone wants to reach out to you and then I'm happy Great. Um, to connect that way. Um, I feel like there's so much more I could talk about social work and I'll probably listen back and say, I should have mentioned that or that or that. So um, yeah, please, please don't hesitate. Wonderful. And if anybody has any questions, feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook or email me and I'll be happy to send your questions along to Molly. And who knows, Molly, maybe, you know, we might do a show number two of social work because you might get so many questions. So no question is too silly. Definitely, you know, write in and I'm just so blessed. Thank you so much for taking the time. And this was really helpful. So thank you. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you got a lot of value from it. If something from this stuck with you, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me your thoughts. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. Hop on over to my website, allmommycare.com. All, A-L-L, no periods, mama, M-A-M-M-A, care, C-A-R-E.com. There, you'll be able to check out some amazing resources to help your child and your family. Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot, tag me and a couple friends. You never know, it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The light within me honors the light within you. Thank you.